Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Thank you, God, that a life saved is worth everything. Just say that with me. A life saved is worth everything. Every last drop of blood in our veins, a life saved is worth everything. And a life saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, Venue Church is not really a church where it's all about what you can do for God. It's more about what God's done for you already. Did you enjoy the sermon last week about resting? Some of you thought, oh, good, I'll take a nap. I think the resting that we were talking about last week, as it turns out in your week, and let me just say that I have the spirit of prophecy, (laughs) that the rest was to prepare you for the storm. And it's interesting that um, if if you if you're not familiar with church, there's this story of where Jesus uh, is crossing the lake and a storm arises, and the disciples are freaking out because most of them are fishermen, and it's freaking them out. This is how bad the storm is; it's freaking them out. But here's Jesus in the boat, asleep, at peace, and the disciples are looking at the storm, and not looking at Jesus, and they're freaking out, and then they wake up Jesus, and they're all mad at him, but Jesus wakes up, and it's, it's more of this like, what are you all waking me up for? Like, I'm the son of God, do you think the boat can go down with me in it? Or if it does, we'll, we'll create a world under the sea. <laughs> under the sea, under the sea. Each little snail knows how to. You haven't seen The Little Mermaid, for reals, everybody? If God is in the boat, what are you worried about? If God is in the boat. Uh, Too busy not to. Today I'm going to teach you what Jesus said in words and too busy not to relate. Too busy not to relate. I know that you have to tell yourself that you're great at connecting with God and with people. But if we asked God and if we asked the people that you're speaking of that you're so great with connecting, if we asked them, how great are they at connecting with me, what would they have to say? Everything's good until it's not. Words to live by. Everything is good until it's not. Here's another one. You don't know what you don't know. Relating with God and with people, it is all about connection. The sermon today is called Relate. Next week, I was going to do a sermon called Restructure, but are you okay if I change the title to Recommit? Recommit. It's a, it's a better title for what God wants me to show you out of the Word of God. But last week, we talked about rest. And then finally, in our week five on, uh, on Remembrance Day, it's going to be too busy not to remember. What can kill Goliath is you remembering that there was a lion and a bear before Goliath that by the power of God was overcome in your life. That's good. I need you to help me preach. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I said in, the, in, our, in our big huddle this morning, before we broke out into our team huddles, I said, I said, we are going to pull faith and pull the word of God out of heaven, except for Renee thought that I said out of Kevin. <laughs> no, Renee, we're not here worshiping Kevin. But with your faith, that's what faith does. In your hunger, you can pull the word of God out of heaven. And so why don't you help me do that? Because I know that your week coming needs, I know your last week needs to be explained, and I know your week coming needs you to be fortified and ready for it. And it, and it depends how much faith you've got to give here, because i got faith for it, but you got to have faith for it too. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. Here's Joshua. Here's the real test for Joshua. 
It's one thing to take a slave group out of Egypt. It's quite another thing to go and conquer an entire land of fortified cities. And this Jericho that they're coming up against, they've had skirmishes, but they've never had anything like this. And I don't know what challenge you're facing in your life right now, but Joshua is facing a challenge that he's never had to go through before. None of the people with him have ever made it through anything like this before. And on the eve before this battle called Jericho, the first of the fortified cities in the promised land, on the eve of this battle... He's in a bit of a bad state. You got anybody in a bad state last week? You come to church in a bad state? In a bad state. Watch how bad it is for Joshua, and then watch what happens next. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Now, I got to ask, if, if I could just stop for a minute here. Now, Joshua was in charge of some millions of people, so he would have army people and, like, secretaries and... Is this making sense to anybody? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, right. He would. Okay, thanks, Pastor. But here's Joshua. Watch this. And he's all by himself. I mean, that's what, from the texture, I can't see anything else that would explain this. He's all by himself, and he sees this guy with a sword in his hand. So is Joshua, I got to ask, I got to ask. Uh, you know, Joshua, he read his Bible every day. That was part of his success. Now part of his success, out of the five disciplines of the life of Joshua, which is a series, is how to relate to God, how to relate in prayer, how to relate to God and people. Now, he sees this guy with a drawn sword, but he's by himself. Why is he by himself? Well, because before the battle, he's out praying prayers like this. Oh, God, do you know how big this city is? And how high those walls are. God's like, yeah, don't worry about the walls. And he's in such a funk that he, that he doesn't know who this is. So I don't know what happened in your week this week, but you get in such a funk sometimes, in such a panic, that you don't know when you go to your prayer time when God shows up. This is why we got some, some braces saying, pray first. Okay, before you all panic, before next decision, why don't you try praying first? We got some of these at the box office. If you want one, go grab one after. They're supposed to be for newbies, but I'll give you one. Your offering paid for it last week. It'll be okay. It's a constant reminder, pray first, like Joshua was praying. Pray first. Do the first things first. Joshua went up to him and demanded. Now watch his tone. Demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Um, the commander of the Lord's army, most of the thought, theologically, is this is actually an appearance of the Son of God, from what we see coming up later, because, because Joshua actually worships him, and, and the angels, when they appeared, and somebody worshipped them because they're glorious, and when somebody worshipped an angel, the angels were all like, whoa, 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 just an angel, <laughs> just an angel, like, just a messenger, worshipping me, man, I'm not going back to God and being like, God's like, good people worshipping you down there? <laughs> oh no, no, Jeez, no, it's all about you, God. But this here is a different thing here, and so now in his prayer time, he's so upset that he doesn't recognize who this is, and in fact, in fact, because he was in, in, in this place inside, I think. I don't think I'm reading much into that. He's in this place inside that he's not recognizing. And so his question that he puts to God and the question that you put to God when you're in a panic, when your life is too busy, is like, God, option A or option B? God, give me this man as a husband or give me that man as a husband? And God's like, option C, none of the above right now because, honey, you ain't ready. You'd mess it all up, honey. Let's get you through Freedom Session first. 
Let's get you all cleaned up because you could meet the right one, but you're not the right one, and that's not going to work out. So, not, neither of the above. And this is what we do to God sometimes. Joshua comes up to him, and he's like, are you on my team or are you on his team? You're fighting with your wife? God, be on my team. Tell her. Convict her of sin, God. Set her. My teenage son. Convict him of sin. God, are you on my team or their team? And God's like, the son of God is like, neither one. Are you on my team? You don't got a team. It's just you running around with your head chopped off. I don't want, nobody wants to be on your team right now. My team. But as commander, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. So neither your team, their team. You on my team? That's what God is asking you right now. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? Now, this might be hard to understand because it just said that he fell with his face to the ground in reverence. What a contact with the ground. Hey, have you ever done this? I mean, you're the leader of millions of people. What would you do? Watch. In one moment, God clears the air and he's like, no, I'm God. You're not. And he falls face down. Listen to the contact, the connection that he has with God because of this move. Face down to the ground. I am at your command. I am at your command, oh God. I just. What a humiliating stance to be in. But what a connected stance to be in. And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. I'm a highly like imaginary person and I'm wondering how he's doing this with his face still on the ground. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, he didn't sit up, man. I'm not sitting up if that's God. I'm staying face down. So I'll get those sandals off. It's going to take me a while. I'm going to be all, my legs are going to be cramping. And he does this. This is similar to when God appeared in the burning bush to Moses and said, take your sandals off your feet because the place that you're standing is holy. See, but, but the lack of connection and the drama in our lives happens when we're not connecting the way that we need to be connecting. So how are you connecting right now in your life with the people around you and, and with the people at work and with your sons and your daughters if you have them and with your spouse if you have them? Or how are you actually connecting with God and people right now? And how would they say that you're connecting with them right now? Because a little bit of drama creates a lot of tension and uh, there's that, that verse in the Bible that says, a little spark lights a whole forest on fire. And a little drama creates a lot of heat and takes a lot of energy. And I really feel like, and I feel like I have God's word for you this morning. I feel like, like you're just too busy in your life not to have better connection. And, and the little drama and then the little drama and add this drama to that drama to that drama to that drama. And, and you're missing the connection piece. That if the connection piece was better, you would have more energy to get done what God actually wants you to do. See, your life is, is like an electrical circuit. I, uh, I spent my years in the electrical trade. And for every one of these lights to work and for your laptop to work at home, and if you drink water, there's a pump somewhere that brought that water to you or cleaned that water up. And so everything that, that operates in your life operates from electricity, just about nearly everything. And so, and so electricity in your life is kind of like the product, the end product that you're hoping to find because you can't read if it's dark and so you turn a light on so that you can read. And isn't that the way that it is in your life? If you have the energy and the focus and everything is working well, then, then you get to be who you need to be at work and be productive. And then uh, your relationship with your teenage son is actually productive and your relationship with your people is actually productive and your relationship with God is actually productive. But a little drama is like a spark. And every time that, that, 
See, you control the electrical loads with some sort of switch or contactor or breaker or... Has, has everybody heard about this thing called electricity? <laughs> and every switch is some form of this. So imagine two metal pieces, one with the potential and the other with the load. Just track with me here. I know it's getting super complicated. <laughs> So every switch, every time I turn a switch on in my house or a contactor closes or whatever, every time a switch happens, there's a connection that takes place where two plates yeah. come together. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. We're tracking with yeah. me. And then the electricity flows through the plates to the load and goes back to the power station and that loop just keeps going and kind of back and forth and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. Now the better shape that those plates are in, the more electricity gets to where it needs to go. But here's what happens. See, every time that a switch is thrown, every time that these plates come together, the electrons from the potential are really trying to get to the load and trying to accomplish that for which it came. And, and oh, this is going to preach today. <laughs> and see, everything that God has for you is really trying to get to the, the, yeah. the things that you need. Everything, it's, the potential is all there waiting. And just before it makes contact, though, the electrons start jumping across that barrier. And when that happens, there's a spark every single time. And the state of that and how quickly that happens and how hard that switch is thrown makes that contact and the sparking as, as little as possible. And the faster that contact is made, boom, then the load gets all the electrons. And, but what happens is every time that you throw a switch or every time you break a switch in the connection, can I talk about a connection? Oh, this is just going to preach. Every time a connection is made, there are sparks. So every time there's a new person in your life or a new supervisor at work or a new employee or every time there's a new dynamic that shifts a situation or a relationship, every single time that there's something new that happens, there's a spark. And every time that a contact is broken or a connection is broken, there's a spark. And see, if you don't read your Bible every day, what happens is all of a sudden you need God. So a week later you read your Bible and it's this huge spark because something else happens in this as well. And then you stop because your life got better and you're like, oh, hey, I fixed everything and I'm a genius. And God's like, Ugh. and then you break the contact and there's more spark. But see, the frequency of how often that switch is thrown, that's why I want you to read your Bible every day, because how often the, the switch is thrown, what ha starts happening with those metal plates is that the metal plates start getting, because those electrons, they jump across there and they start blackening it and start scarring it and start pitting the metal plates. And every time the contact is thrown, it happens a little more. It happens a little more. It happens a little more. And if you're constantly doing this to your relationship with God and your relationship with people, like, hey, I'm connected, I'm not connected, I'm connected, I'm not connected. Every time that happens, it scars you a little bit more. And when it scars you more, it starts creating all these uneven surfaces on, on your plate. And the electrons can't get through there. So all of a sudden, the surface area that used to be 100% is now, in some cases, 40%. In some cases, 20%. The load, the purpose that God called you in this life tomorrow is trying to do it on 20% of the electrons. And what happens is there's all this waste and sparkage and heat starts building up here. And all the energy is going to the drama and not to the problem, not to the accomplishment, not to the purpose of God in your life. And, and here's the thing, and here's the thing, here's what we try to do. The girls, anyways. You try to take... This is what we used to do uh, as electricians. When the contacts would start getting bad, we would take some sandpaper or some emery cloth or something like that, and we would 
scrub the contacts. We'd scrub the connections and we'd rub all the burrs off and we'd sand them down so that now we got a 100% connection and not a 20% connection. Because this is where the fire happens, right here. You, you put a heat meter on, on a bad switch and a bad contact, that's where the fire happens, right there. But the load still pulls it out of you, but the fire happens right there. And it's trying to do it. Oh. But here's what we do when you're in a relationship with your boss or your spouse or even God is what happens is we try to take the sandpaper to them. Because they're obviously the problem and your surface is not the problem. Your electrical piece of metal is not the problem because, yeah, you have a really good mirror and you can see yourself in the mirror, right? So what we try to do then is we try to fix them. Let me sand that off for you. You obviously have issues, husband and wife. I'm married to fixer-upper. Girls, don't you ever marry somebody you got to fix. Why don't you bring them to church so they can get saved and become Christ followers yeah. 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 Right. and let God be the sandpaper in their life yes. instead of you trying to marry a fi fixer-upper. Is this too close to home? Yeah. Instead of you trying to marry a fixer-upper because you're not God and you can't fix somebody else's heart. Yeah. Right. So why don't you marry somebody who's got a good heart? As I preach that to my daughters, I'm going to preach it to your daughters too. Why not? There's all, all the potential in the world, but all you need for better connection is a little sandpaper. But how you connect to the other person and how you connect to God, you've got to make sure that your surface is, is clean, but have you noticed that not everybody is the same and not everybody connects the same way that you connect? So when I come to God, it's interesting that there are attributes about God in, in prayer, and there's attributes about, about God here with Joshua that, that there's something that he did that caused him to have this connection, this like whole being connection. You, you notice what happens there is that Joshua just got on his face, and he's just like, okay, God. And, and that's, I think, the connection that you need to have with God as well. And so what happens sometimes is that, is that a person becomes a Christian, and, and then the two to eight year syndrome happens, and... Can I preach a little bit here? Um, the two to eight year syndrome happens where you actually, you come in and you start coming to church and your life starts getting cleaned up a little bit and then somewhere in the back of your mind, the devil tells you that you did it. And so then instead of doing this thing that Joshua did, because Joshua is probably the closest man with, with God, than any, closer than anybody else in Israel, and he immediately, as soon as God's like, hey, it's me, he goes flat on his face and the contact, I mean, look at the contact that that made with God. Boom. Oh, Here's my role, here's your role. I'm not going to get that confused. Pour the electrons in, God, because if I don't get this, listen, if I don't get this, God, my people are going to perish behind me. And I need this contact with, with you, God. But what happens is, is, in an early Christian's life, because we're not immediately faced with persecution, you think that it's persecution when people at work make fun of you. But some people are actually experiencing actual persecution for their faith. And what happens is, is we move from this posture, because when you come to Christ, the only way that you can come is like, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins, and I'll do anything you want. I just, I need this connection with you. I'll give up anything that I have to give up. But what happens is, after a couple of years, things are starting to work a little bit better. So then, instead of being on our face, we start kind of sitting back on a chair. And a chair has a hard time connecting with a flat surface, if you'll, if you'll notice. And then what happens is when the plates need to come together, you're sitting on a chair, and, and Joshua never quite got that mature in his faith. He kept his faith right here. Yeah. 
face down in the sight of God. Because, because if you start sitting on a chair and you start getting okay, then you start coming to church and you start thinking to yourself and you start judging the little things that are happening around here. And then you start listening to the preacher and you start judging like, well, you know, he didn't really feed me and he didn't really feed my soul. And then the church becomes a buffet for you. And instead of Joshua's words here, which were, God, what do you want me to do? We start saying, God, what do you want me to learn? Well, here's the deal. You're not going out onto the library field after this. You're going out onto a battlefield. You need a battle plan for your week. God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to learn? And God's like, I want you to do something. I want you to do. And then in this two to eight year Christian mark, you have to make a decision whether you're going to be the doer and get back on your face or whether you're going to be the learner. Whether you're going to get, get into the lives of, and the mess of people and try to help them like Jesus did or whether you're going to be the diagnosing doctor that tells them what's wrong but you won't help them. That's for free. I love how Joshua, after all of these years being in the house of God, never forgot how to make contact and connection with God. A group of people are asking, Jesus is watching how people pray, and he's realizing nobody's really doing it right, and then he talks to a whole group of people, and in this group of people might be you who are kind of far from God or you're exploring faith. He's talking to these people, but then he's also talking about to the professional prayers who are now sitting in chairs and are professional learners. And he's like, guys, you're doing it all wrong, and you're teaching them how to do it all wrong. So this group is mad. This group is like, you're kidding me. These guys, what? Oh, that's why my prayers weren't getting answered, I guess. And so what Jesus does is he, he starts talking to his people. He starts talking to these people about, okay, but when you come to God, you have to understand that you're connecting to like a lightning bolt. Your, your plate has to be this, your, your approach has to be right. You can't be all buckled up all of the time. You can't just like be trying to, to get the other person in, in this relationship who is God to connect with you where you're at. Like Jesus came down to earth and died for you where you were at, not to keep you there because you have no connection there. So when your sin starts getting worked out and you start getting flat on your face in the sight of God and when you're in your prayer time, I'm not Pastor Corey, I'm just, oh God, <laughs> forgive my sins. Corey. And when you take this different approach to God, Jesus is like, your whole approach is wrong and your whole approach is what the problem is. You're praying about all these things that God can't answer because your approach to God is wrong because God is a father. And God the Father doesn't like whole piles of drama. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings here. I can't get the word of God across to you without hurting your feelings because when God needs to change me, it's correcting me and I don't agree with him. So God hurt my feelings, I pray. Jesus is like, you're not talking to somebody that can be bought. You're not talking to somebody who needs what you have to bring and so you can make a deal. You're talking to God, your Heavenly Father. This is one of the most powerful things I think about Freedom Session is because it will go through issues like dad issues. Now, what does that have to do with how I connect with God, my Heavenly Father? Well, how your earthly father was, was, he was supposed to transfer your allegiance to God, but see, I had a good earthly father who loved God, but maybe you didn't. But somewhere along the way, how you approach God will be how you approached your earthly father. So I had a whole leg up to this thing that you maybe never had. Yeah. 
And Jesus is now talking to people like, okay, like my mom said to me when I was young, your father is a certain way. The people in your life, they're a certain way, and God made them like that. Not all the bad places, but God still made them a certain way. And my mom said to me once, when I was young, she's like, look, your dad is extremely focused. So don't interrupt him when he's in the middle of something, because he's project-oriented. In the middle of something, if you need help or you have a question, this is how you connect with your father. She says, what I would do is, and this is what Jesus is saying, here's how I would do it. She goes, well, do you want to connect or not? You can keep trying to do it your own way if you want to, or you can connect in the way that God can actually hear it and actually answer it. Because God is who he is, and you need to adapt yourself to him. You need to sand yourself off because his plate never gets chipped and scarred, and his plate is always perfect. It's your plate that's a problem. It's my plate that's a problem. And so she said to me, look, say this to your dad. When you have a minute, can you come and help me with this? Now, my dad was not the most emotional guy in the world. But that's not how, amen. You can't say that right there. But listen, listen, that's not how God made him. And I appreciate how God made him because I needed who, I needed that. Now, if you're a single parent, like, look, you get double duty and I get it. And it's hard. I get it. I haven't had to do that. So I can't tell you how that makes you feel. But I, I, this is why you need the family of God more than maybe anybody else needs the family of God. And it is here for you to fill in the gaps that you just can't fill in and will help you with that. But, but when I approached my father, I had to do it in a certain way. So I would say, when you have a minute, then when he would come, all of his project orientation, I had all of it. I just had to be a little patient. Because here's the thing. Dad is dad. And dad is a certain way. But dad is good. So when he says, not yet, because I need to finish this thing, that's not the same thing as hearing no. Be patient, Corey. Because Corey, this might be hard to imagine, was the most impatient little boy on the planet. I needed to learn a bit of patience. True, that was my mother. When you talk to your dad, talk like this. My mom had to teach me how to talk to my dad. Now, I grew up in kind of a boy-oriented, sarcastic home. And I have done my penance in the female world since then. You want to talk about drama, y'all? I had two girls going at it over a hat this morning. (laughs) On the way to church. I have four daughters. (laughs) And look, when I'm connecting with my daughters, and here everybody is trying to represent themselves in this equation. So when when I'm trying to get connection with my daughters, I have to in some way get connection where they are at. But the other side of that equation is that they need to know how to talk to me. Because I'm a father, and I hate drama. I hate drama. It takes so much energy. A little drama takes so much energy, and then fires start where no fires needed to be. And I had a talk with them on the way to church this morning. Like, look, God has something special for you this morning, but you need to be there to lead people. You need to lead that youth group this morning. And the devil's just playing you. He just playing you. He just if you got a button to push, he'll find it. He just playing you to get you to get all mad at each other. My whole team this morning. He just playing us. But here's what God wanted to say: is that when you come to God, he doesn't like a lot of drama. You got to talk to him in a certain way. 
Now, because I don't like drama doesn't mean that I don't love my kids. And my goodness, there's nobody who works harder at connecting with my daughters than I do. There's, with any daughters anywhere ever in the history of the world. <laughs> Look, I get stuff wrong, but I'm saying I work hard to connect with them. But they also need to connect with me. And when you want to connect with me, you have to talk to me according to my values. Not according to your values right now. According to my values. That's the common ground. Find something in common and talk to them according to their values. I don't super love a lot of drama. In fact, when I married Aaron, Aaron comes from a single mom home and had a sister. And so somewhere in the early years of our marriage, I finally said to Aaron, and she's sitting right there, I said to Aaron, like, you don't know how to talk to men, do you? <laughs> Nobody told you how to talk to men. This is why there's all this like, spark, spark, spark. And I'm like, oh, See, my daughters can't talk to me like they talk to a teenage friend at school. Because I'm not that. I don't value what their teenage friends... You can't try these little manipulative things on somebody like me. The last three weeks, my daughters have been talking a lot more, I've noticed. And all of them have been talking at the same time. Into this place where it was just this like buzz in my head, and then I just shut down to all of it because I'm a man and I just can't do all that. I can only do one thing at a time. So I just need one of y'all to talk at a time. And it got so bad in the car one day that I, I was getting tired. And it got so bad in the car one day that I actually yelled at my own wife. I'm just like, stop talking. But then I look at I'm like, I'm looking at her and I'm not looking at the kids. Now I'm allowed to say it to the kids, but I'm not super allowed to say it like that to my wife. And so, and so I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But listen, I'm the dad. I can't do this like this anymore. Y'all want to go to Dairy Queen and I'm just like, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen. Just be quiet let me make a decision. I cannot think with all of this noise going on in my head. And I apologize to Aaron. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But if you want something from me, you have to talk to me in a certain way. Just help me out here. And Jesus is like, let me help you out when you connect with God. In Matthew chapter 6, he says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He's like, God doesn't like your posturing. My Father in heaven, he doesn't even care about it. He doesn't value it at all. He's like, if you're praying, you're supposed to be connecting with me, not with everybody else. Not impressing everybody else with how long you can pray. I want to give you, it's, it's going to hurt if, if you didn't have a good father. Because somewhere along the way, you're going to have to actually apologize to God for treating him like the father that you had. Because it was never right that you treat this father like that father. Because this father is not that father. But subconsciously, that's what we do. And then it starts leaking into our lives. And if you didn't have a good father, how do you know how to talk to your husband. How do you know how to make him a good man if your own father wasn't a good man? And somewhere along the way, this trust gets broken and it breaks a part of you, but then something gets scarred and pitted. And God right now wants to take that sandpaper and show you how to have that connection with a good father who never wanted anything from you ever. And whenever he asks something hard of you, it's because he wants something for you. That's why he can do it. And you'll never give more than he can give. And when he asks a sacrifice of you, it's so that he can bring something good into your life. And so he can bring something good into the lives of your people. And God is like, I don't enjoy posturing. If you want to connect with me, then connect with me. But connect. Him. And Jesus is like, I'll show you how to connect with God, who's a father. 
Now, the Holy Spirit is the, is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is, holds you and will cry with you. God the Father is a different person, though. And you have to understand the difference. Is, is, every, is this like a new thought to some of you? It's going to be so good that when you pray to God, your Heavenly Father, you can pray in a different way so that He can actually hear it. Now, when I need comfort, the, God sends the Holy Spirit to me, and He comforts me, and He'll cry with me, and he'll, the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is like Mom. We're made in the image of God. The Holy Spirit is like Mom. But God the Father is different. Jesus says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Hmm. Hmm. He's saying, keep it short and sweet. What? There's another scripture that says, when you come before God, just come as honestly as you can. Then he says this. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. If that doesn't work in the cope house with their father, it's not going to work with you and your heavenly father. No! Stop! I heard you and I already had a sense that you wanted to go to Dairy Queen. I already somehow knew just because we drove past it. And you're always hungry. And ice cream is good. Y'all are a bit early. I'm going to preach this a little bit. You can't make me get off the stage before I want to get off the stage. Don't be like them, Jesus says. Do you want a connection with God or do you want a connection with the God that's in your head? You want a connection with the real God? Talk like this. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. And believe me, He's more concerned about it than you are. But there comes this other thing that he's going to teach you a template and how to not just get what you want, but how to focus on what really matters. And what really matters is your connection with God after all of the problems are solved. Because I'll bet you if God solved all your problems right now, you'd have not a very good connection with him tomorrow. And God is not for sale for your problems. God loves you and he wants connection with you just because he is God and he is good. And Jesus says, pray like this. You ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. The first step of this template I want you to pray this week, and it can take two minutes, or it can take 12 minutes, or it can take 37 hours, depending on the state of your soul and how long it takes you to get into the pocket where you have a connection with God. Yeah, that's good. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Which means don't open your prayers with like, oh God, my kids need to respect me more. He can't hear that kind of a prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, may my kids respect you more. Here's a better one maybe to start. God, may my own heart honor you more. May I hallow your name more. But the thing is, I can't, I'm just going to tell you how I pray it. I can't even hallow you, God, because my flesh is so strong and my desires are just so weak. And I can't even do that without your Holy Spirit to help me, so I need to clean up my flesh because I don't want to be a soulish Christian who's just selfish and thinking about himself and gimme, 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 gimme. Man, I told the team last night that, that I was with, I'm just like, look, your first prayer should be like, God, you're awesome. Not, not even, not, certainly not like, God, give me. Number two option is like, God, you're awesome because of what you've done. No, start in the place where he says to start. God, you're awesome because you're awesome. Because if you're thanking God for what he's done, it's still a little bit about you. Why don't you start with it being about him? Our Father. There's no singulars in this whole prayer. There's no me, 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 me. It's us. Our 
Father, I am coming with a group of people spiritually here who need you. Our Father, hallowed be your name. This is not me in this battle on earth. It's us. I just need a connection with you, God. We need a connection with you. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just going to go through in the way that I pray. It's familiar to me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Now we're talking about kingdoms. At first we're talking about holiness. And so I pray about my flesh in there. God, discipline me. Correct me. And if I got to send a text to my accountability partner, I do it right there. Just like, God, convict me of sin. I, I don't get this right. And then it's like, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, in heaven there's nobody who doesn't obey the voice of God. Make my home like that home. There's nobody who doesn't listen to God. Make, make my home like that home. Make my heart like that heart. Make our church like that church. May your kingdom come. May there be no other kingdom that rises against your kingdom, oh God. Let no lying spirit come and whisper in my ear today and get me all offended or angry. No, no, no. There's only one God, the spirit of truth, who casts no shifting shadow around me. There's, there's no problem with his light. Let me have the light from heaven. It is about your kingdom. And then I start praying into my city and I start praying for you. Your kingdom come in this family. Your will be done in that marriage, oh God. Your kingdom, your way, not the devil's way anymore. Give us today the food we need. And then I start into this. God, I'm not the provider of this family. You're the provider of this family. It's not, I'm amazing at my career, therefore we have food to eat. God, I need your provision for, for my wife and my daughters or we don't eat. I need your provision for me tomorrow or we don't eat. It comes from you, but it's always come from you and I'm thankful. Thank you for your provision today. Thank you for provision for the house of God. I, I say zeal for the, my God's houses. If my family has to go without, or this family, it will be my family. The house of God matters more to me than my own house. Does it matter more for you? It matters more to me that this house gets fed with spiritual food than my own. Now I'll provide for my own family. I understand the scriptures that talk about that. I will. But I care about the house of my God. Give us your portion this week, oh God, in your house, so that people can find the love of Jesus Christ. Give us the bread from heaven, not just physical things, the bread from heaven who is Jesus. Give that to my kids, not me to my kids, you to my kids, God. They need you. They need a connection with you at school, God. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. God, I remember my sin against heaven, and it was worse than anybody else's sin because it came from me. Forgive my sins and I forgive everybody who's hurt me, God. And in fact, I ask you to forgive everybody who's hurt me because most of the people who hurt me are just kind of hurting you. And it's like hurting somebody else's kid. It really hurts the parents. And God, I realize that that's you. And I ask you to forgive them and I forgive them and I let them go. Let my heart not be bitter in this place. I remember my sins were forgiven and my, keep my sins close to me. And I remember them every day so I don't get too proud. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, I, I recognize that I'm not stronger than the devil, and I'm not stronger than temptation. I'm going to flee temptation, oh God. But Father, as I flee temptation today, and as the devil wants a piece of me, I just I pray that, that you would rebuke the devil in my life, and that you would come and be the only God in my life. God, I, I'm not stronger than the devil. I'm not wiser than the devil. I'm not going to engage with the devil. I'm, I'm going to engage with you, God, and ask you to deal with these things in my life. Oh God, and what would happen in your life this week if you would take a two-minute template and just pray through that? Father in heaven, it's about you. It's about you. When I come out of this prayer every day, Venue Church, I come out in the hand of God. And Joshua, I think, would have loved to have had that prayer, but he didn't because there was no Jesus yet. But he still had a template that I think he prayed through every day to get him to a place after this time with a man and the sword outside of Jericho to get him to a place 
where he stayed on his face and recognized the presence of the living God every day. Father, I pray for your revelation to come to your people right now. I ask, Heavenly Father, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in every heart. And as we lift your name and worship again, Father, I pray that your kingdom would come right now, here and now, that our eyes would get off of ourselves and off of our problems and get back onto where they need to get. And that is back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.